Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, thanks, JB. I am Chris Cuomo and welcome to Primetime. Why did they release the Ukraine aid to them when they did? Why? More than ever, the answer seems to be because the people involved knew that Congress was on to the scam. And by they, we can now definitely include President Trump. Why? Reportedly, the president was briefed about the whistleblower complaint before he released the Ukraine aid. You know, right when he started saying, no quid pro quo, no quid pro quo, I want nothing, when he had just said the opposite before that. We also have two other pieces of the puzzle that make the picture of potential impeachment even more clear. So what do you say? Let's get after it. All right, this comes from the New York Times just tonight. Sources say President Trump already knew about the whistleblower complaint when he released the hold on military aid to Ukraine on September 11th. The Times reports lawyers from the White House counsel's office briefed the president in late August. Remember, I'm going to lay out the whole timeline for you again in detail in the next segment. But July 25th is the call, right? Then August, he finds out about the whistleblower. September, they release the aid out of nowhere. This is a vital piece of information to develop the truth of why the aid was suddenly released. And remember why that matters, because if this wasn't about leveraging Ukraine, well, they can. What's their defense? Well, we gave them the aid. But why did they do it then? If they did it then because they thought everything was about to be exposed, they're in trouble. Let's bring in Tennessee Congressman Steve Cohen. Now, he sits on the House Judiciary Committee which is, of course, going to be the next instrument of a potential impeachment. This is where it really becomes a serious confrontation. Um, Congressman, we'll talk about the process in a second. Let's start with the headline. What does it mean to you that the president, not just the White House, was well aware of the whistleblower complaint to some degree of detail just weeks before they released the aid? It's obviously why he did it. If the whistleblower didn't file his report, the president of Ukraine would have gone on television on your network at Trump's request and announced the investigation of the Bidens so he would get the military aid. He was scheduled to do it because he didn't know different. Trump had it. He loved him, according to Sondland, would do anything for him. But Trump found out about the whistleblower, the fact that it was going to become public. He knew what he did was wrong. And so he released the aid. There you can't are, put the genie back in the bottle. There are other pieces. Mark Sandy, senior official at OMB, hears about the hold on the aid, says, this doesn't seem right. He goes uh, to the political appointee on top of him, says, I think this might be illegal. We should look at it. He winds up resigning over the situation. Significance. Well, there were people that were on the inside who heard what was going on and knew that it was not about corruption in Ukraine or corruption in any other country that would get foreign aid to, like Afghanistan and Iraq, which are much more corrupt and get much more aid. It was about political. It was about using the powers of the presidency and the funds authorized by Congress to benefit yourself 
with political dirt on your opponent, that is a danger to national security. It's abuse of power. They knew it, and it was recognized. Bad the fact. The fact that people saw it there. Bad fact that I want to hear argued in front of your committee, uh, uh, Congressman, if I get your take on this, is this president had given aid to Ukraine in two budgetary cycles before now. He never raised the issue of Biden in those, to our knowledge. The only thing that changed ostensibly is that the former VP decided to run for office. Well, the fact is, in previous times that aid was given, there was no connection at all to quote-unquote corruption. And Ukraine was a very corrupt country, but they didn't have a president who'd been elected who was a corruption fighter. They had a, a president who was corrupt, and yet that wasn't even questioned. All of a sudden, it became important about corruption. They don't care about corruption. The fact is, they wrote the book. The idea of corrupt intent, the constructive analogy for you guys in terms of what the wrong was, seems to be this was basically a bribe or at least an attempted bribe, even though a bribe in and of itself can only be a solicitation. But that's lawyer talk. You're going to have to make the proof uh, to the American people against counsel now at the Judiciary Committee level uh, that this was a scam all along to lever Ukraine. One of the major defenses will be, but he believed it, Congressman. He believed Ukraine was involved in the 2016 interference, and he believed that the Bidens were up to no good. So he had a good faith interest in doing it. Therefore, he could not form corrupt intent. I don't think that that can be seen. Uh, You have to have a willing suspension of disbelief. Not even Aristotle would buy that argument that he really all of a sudden found that to be true and that Ukraine was involved. Comes right out of Moscow. And not that the president hasn't agreed with Moscow and other things. When he was in in, uh, Helsinki, he was saying, I don't see, Putin says he didn't interfere with our elections. I don't see why he would. And then basically agreed with Putin. Trump is a very, a man of convenience, his his shifting morality and shifting ethics. But it's clear from anybody looking with an objective eye that he wanted dirt on the Bidens to help himself politically and was fearful of the Biden, Joe Biden being his opponent. Uh, secondary defense is going to be, I didn't know what Rudy was doing. You know, yeah, I trust Rudy, so he went out there, but I didn't know what he was doing. Now, we've heard in the past that Rudy has said, I was doing this for my client. My client was aware, some of it, and he knew before, some of it after, but I was working as his attorney. Uh, Is there any credence uh, to that theory? Does it give any clearance to the president if this was about what Rudy did, not what the president knew about what he did? I think there's information that's come out that Pompeo had talked to Rudy, and yes. we, unfortunately, Pompeo won't testify, nor has Giuliani uh, to, to our committee, but that Pompeo and Giuliani had talked, Giuliani and Sondland had talked. Ambassador Sondland was a key. I, don't, I wouldn't put him to the level of John Dean, but he had Giuliani and Pompeo and Mulvaney and the whole cast of characters uh, uh, as totally in the loop and plotting it. And there's no question that's what was going on. And then all of a sudden, Mulvaney tries to find a way to say, how can we rationalize this mm. when they found out that, it, they, that the, the gig was up? If you could get one guy, who would be the one guy that you want to come in? And may I make a suggestion of Bolton, given what he tweeted today? What does he mean by saying that the policy aims were being, you know, uh, subverted from within? Well, Bolton encouraged people that were working underneath him and I, and I think it was a, the, uh, Fiona Hill, and there was another person to go testify and, and to take action, which they did, and they did testify. But Bolton won't do it because Bolton wants to sell his book. You don't know why Bolton's doing these things. I suspect he's selling his book. 
Uh, one of the guests on the previous show was saying how Bolton's such a strong Republican, and he is, and that's his whole social ties. Uh, he's not going to want to cut those, just like McGahn's probably not going to want to cut them either. He's tied into the Federalist Society and the Republican game. That's where their bread is buttered, and that's what's going to make a difference in them. They're not, they're not caring about America. They care about their future and their contacts and their abilities to sell what they've learned from government, either in a book deal or in uh, clients at Jones Day. Now, something that we've been arguing a lot with uh, with defenders of the president is going to be made manifest when the proceedings start in your committee. This has been the investigatory phase up until now. It was done with Clinton by Ken Starr. It was done under Nixon by a couple of different uh, people running a grand jury. You guys did it yourselves here. They kept saying this is so unfair. The president doesn't have any representation. You never get representation in the investigative phase. And even to the extent that uh, they weren't supposed to have any, they had half the room in the Intel Committee was fighting for them uh, tooth and nail. They did nothing but the Republicans except try to find clearance for the president. But now in Judiciary Committee, that changes. Counsel can be there. They can question witnesses. What will that dynamic look like? Resolution 660 that set out the rules gives the Republican president more rights in the Judiciary Committee than either Nixon was given or Clinton was given. Why? There are more defense rights. Because we want, we're bending over backwards. The Democrats do that. Speaker Pelosi wanted to do that and make it clear that we're giving due process and try to minimize the argument. But no matter what we'd have done, they'd have said it wasn't enough. I'd like to see Donald Trump appear. Donald Trump likes to talk to the American people. He claims there's nothing to it. He Today he called it BS in his rally. He likes to use you know vulgar terms, and they love it. I'd like to have him come to Congress, sit down in a chair, and answer questions. That's what he should do if he's truly innocent, if he really didn't have malevolent intent, and if he really thought it was simply corruption and truly believed that the Ukrainians were the people that were involved in getting up dirt in the 2016 election. Come and tell the American people. If you don't, you're a coward, Donald Trump. Congressman Steve Cohen, heavy words just before Thanksgiving. Thank you very much and the best to you and the family. Thank you, Chris. Happy Thanksgiving to you. All right. Steve Cohen basically calling the president a turkey just a couple of days before Thanksgiving. Will that move him? Looking at what happened with Mueller, I doubt it. What the president says is just a taunt. What he does is play it safe. This new reporting tonight, though, shows just how important the timeline is here, just like in all investigations. When did things happen and in what sequence? Now we're starting to see, just like this image on your TV, one big ugly face, but millions of little pixelations, little pieces. Now we can lay out a timeline that will give us a much better sense of why things happened and when. Next. All right, tonight's New York Times is helpful, and it forces us to take a fresh look at what the president knew and when he knew it. This is not a cliche. It is a key to understanding what matters here. So let's lay it out in a simple timeline, and you'll see reality come into focus. The call with the Ukrainian president around 9 in the morning, that's not so interesting, July 25th. But that's when the president specifically asked for a favor of Ukraine's president to look into a conspiracy theory, which has been dismissed by that by everybody, but to look into Ukraine's role in any interference in 2016 and the Bidens. He says Bidens, okay? Some of you want to imagine that that didn't happen. Look at the transcript. He also tells him, talk to Rudy, showing that he knows what Rudy is doing. That same day, 
an official at the budget office, OMB, another acronym in the alphabet soup that we've all had to learn about this, signed the first documents officially putting DOD, Department of Defense, money for Ukraine on hold. Now, that official is named Mark Sandy, and he spoke with impeachment investigators. Why? All right, we'll get into that in just a bit. But the timeline is what matters. Tonight, the Times is reporting that in late August, okay, July 25th, now we're in the late August, before it was known to the public, that's key, White House lawyers told the president about the whistleblower complaint. Now, we had heard that there had been communication interagency about the whistleblower and what to do and what they had, but not this far that the president himself knew. They didn't yet know what the information would come to, whether it would go to Congress or not. It wasn't until September 9th when Congress launched the investigation. That same day, Trump's million-dollar donor-turned-EU ambassador called the president. Remember this? I believe I just asked him an open-ended question, Mr. Chairman. What do you want from Ukraine? I keep hearing all these different ideas and theories and this and that. What do you want? And it was a very short, abrupt conversation. He was not in a good mood. And he just said, I want nothing. I want nothing. I want no quid pro quo. Tell Zelensky to do the right thing. Does Donald Trump seem to be the man, kind of man to you, that throws around the term quid pro quo? Think about that for a second. Why? Okay, there's the call. He hears about the whistleblower complaint. What does the whistleblower talk about? Concerns of a quid pro quo, right? Then what happens? Congress starts asking questions. Then Mr. Sondland, who said everybody knew what was going on. We were working with Rudy at the express direction of the president. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. All of a sudden, Sondland doesn't know anymore. So he calls the president. I don't know what to do. And the president says exactly what he needs to do to CYA. Interesting when you look at it that way. It's a whole different story here if the president already knew the whistle had been blown when he took that call from Sondland. Two days later, the the military aid is released. Why? No one can tell us. How interesting. You think you'd have a story for why you were going to do something like this when you knew it would be the critical move, right? Because releasing the aid is the only clarity for this president to get past the conceit of this scam. He had to release the money before anything happened. Now, back to Mark Sandy's testimony from the Office of Management Budget, the budget official. He shares new details about who was pulling the strings when it came to the money. Let's rewind the timeline and look at what else we learned today about the freezing of aid. So Sandy says, even before the call with Zelensky, okay, he was telling his bosses, what's up with this money being withheld? I'm sure he didn't sound like that. But he's suggesting maybe it's illegal. Then, on July 30th, his boss, very important here, not a deep stater, which means a conscientious person who's sacrificed years and years to their duties, but a political appointee from Trump. He took immediate control of the aid process. We know during all this, two people left their jobs with the OMB. One did leave because they had another job somewhere else in the government. Put him to the side. But... Both, but I'm still, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt on that one. I'm moving that one to the side. But both Sandy and that person expressed concerns about how the money was being withheld and why. Now, when you take all this together 
any question of what was in the president's mind is gone. Why? Because you know what you can show. They can't say why the aid was released. They've offered no other explanation. He knew there were questions about the call. He knew Congress was onto it. He knew what the whistleblower had. He was even using the operative phrase. What does it mean? It means these questions are getting harder and harder to answer. Facts first. Now, tonight, the president is also facing a new round of impeachment hearings. That's what we were talking to Cohen about. The judiciary is where the game gets real. And he has to deal with yet another recent conviction of one of his trusted advisors. And why Roger Stone got convicted matters. Michael Caputo and I, we share a theory about Roger Stone. He is a friend. Now, I'm just looking over that timeline we went through. There are big problems with when things happened, and they're going to have to answer those questions. That's what the next part of the impeachment process will be about. It's going to be much, well, I shouldn't really say that because this in the Intel Committee, that was pretty combative, but it's not supposed to be by design. It's supposed to be about Congress fact-finding, but really it was completely disputatious, right? It was about right defending the president and left going after him. Now, that's what this is really about in the judiciary, except at the end of it, you'll have articles of impeachment or not. So, Before all this began, Republicans complained that the process was unfair, that he should have been able to be in there uh, cross-examining, which is just BS. I mean, that never happens in the investigatory phase. You think Giuliani's lawyers are going to get a chance to get involved with the investigation right now? No, but now in the Judiciary Committee, they will do just that. And they will start on December 4th. The president and his legal team are invited to take part. Uh, They're invited to question and to argue. Okay, the president says, maybe I'll testify. I'm taking I'm taking the under on that. Now, let's talk about some things that make sense and some things that don't. Former Trump advisor Michael Caputo is here right now. I should mention uh, Caputo signed an NDA stating that you won't defame Trump, his businesses or the Trump family. You've never done that anyway. uh, Welcome back to prime time. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Chris. Let's go from the what makes no sense to the what should make a lot of sense. Uh, starting at the outer pole. Have you ever heard, uh, uh, Michael spent a lot of time in Russia. He worked in that part of the world. Uh, He knows people there. He knows the connections back here in the U.S. Did you ever hear of Parnas? Because everyone I can find who knew about him was like, that was a stay away guy. I never heard of Parnas. The first time I heard of him was when reporters were calling me and asking me if I had heard of him. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Ukraine. Chris, I think you know I'm I'm married to a Ukrainian Mm -hmm. woman. Um, we have family there. I, I, I'm very close with my family in Ukraine. I spend time there. I've never heard of Lev Parnas. Uh, but I, that doesn't mean a, a great deal. It just means we run in different circles. No, look, I hear you. It's just that for Rudy Giuliani, you know, we've both known him forever. And even though he's angry about the interview, he's blaming me as part of this media conspiracy. Uh, I have a tremendous respect for him. I don't want to see him in trouble. But for him to associate with people like this guy and his partner with all their connections doesn't seem like him, does it? I, I don't think that the, uh, Rudy knew a, a lot about these guys, and perhaps he should have checked them out a little bit more. Mm. But at the same time, we don't really know a lot about them ourselves, do we? Not yet. Uh, uh, we're going to find out more and more about these folks. But remember, Rudy Giuliani comes from New York. He was mayor of the, the toughest city in the world and was a U.S. attorney for that yeah. same area. Yeah, prosecuting the mafia. He's been around a lot of different kinds of people. People you and I probably wouldn't want to spend any time with mm-hmm. either. Yeah. So, all right, that's what. Now we move down the spectrum. This Ukraine did it. 
Everybody debunks this theory. People have invested time and money in trying to figure it out. Bossert says it's been debunked. The CrowdStrike thing has been debunked. CrowdStrike, yes, they have part of their ownership as Ukraine, but they're a California company. Do you really believe that Ukraine, not Russia, was to blame for the 2016 interference? No, I believe, as you know, when the uh, the emails, the, the Democrat emails were were leaked before the convention, mm. I came out immediately and, and warned the Obama administration that this was Russia and something had to be done about its mm-hmm. stat. I've always thought it was Russia. I'd love to see the FBI prove it was Russia and prove that I was right. But just because Russia did it doesn't mean Ukraine didn't do it. I don't believe Ukraine was messing around on the Internet or doing cyber warfare like the Russians were. I know for a fact uh, that they were uh, that the leadership of the the Ukraine uh, government at the time, the Poroshenko government, was working through their embassy with Hillary Clinton and DNC operative uh, Alexandra Chalupa, and at the same time, uh, a member of parliament very close to the president Poroshenko was messing around with that black uh, ledger, as they call it, which was never proved to be real or not real. In well, fact, it's disappeared in Ukraine. Well, but the I federal... can tell you all the time I spend in Ukraine, and all I know the people you know I talk a lot of stuff. Ukraine, But the federal prosecutors felt pretty confident about the information with Manafort. And again, Tom Bossert, who worked for the Trump administration. But they didn't use the ledger in. Well, they 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 didn't didn't use the ledger. They didn't need it. They they had their own sufficiency in terms of evidence. That's not why they didn't use it. You don't know that's why they didn't use it. I can tell you in in Ukraine, they don't believe that the ledger is real. And I can also tell you that the top law enforcement officers, those who have a a law and order background in a corrupt system, intend to get to the bottom of the Burisma scams and the Poroshenko regime meddling in the U.S. election. There's going to be investigations in in, in Kiev. It's going to happen. What meddling? The DNC says it never happened. Chalupa uh, says it never happened. Uh, The Mueller says it never happened. The intel community says it never happened. The Senate intel committee says it never happened. Of course it does. Of course it's all true. That's not true. Chris, it's not true. What's not true? There there are a lot of people very curious about what Alexandra Chalupa and yeah, I know there are. They're all defenders of the president. But why does Bossert say? Uh, well, listen, Chris. Hold on, Mike. Because I had the same discussion this, last night. Uh, let's just agree on right, one go ahead, thing. Go ahead. There's more afoot with Chalupa and with uh, Lyshenko, the, the MP that released that fake black ledger, than was ever afoot uh, that led to the investigation of the Trump team. Oh, I don't Ever. believe that at all. But I say if, if we investigate the Trump team, let's investigate this team. And I'll well, tell you, but it's I don't. really funny that— I don't. I don't believe that you I, I investigate you, though, both sides, be really that that's funny fair. In the end, that's not Chris. fair. You go where the it, evidence is. I, it'll be really funny in the end, Chris, when Ukraine, this uber-corrupt uh, yeah. organization on this planet— is more willing to investigate allegations of corruption than the United States is. Well, first of all, we've well, been, what does we've that been make investigating us? corruption all over the place. But look, back to the central... Then let's investigate this. Back to the... No, because you go where what you, the What are you afraid is. of? I'm not afraid of anything. I'm a journalist. But the evidence what is I'm, there. What I'm trying... There is not evidence there. And here's my proof. Yes, Tom, there is. There are members of the staff of the Ukrainian look, embassy that say that this happened. Then why would Tom Bossert say that... Again, just for all of you. Tom Bossert was right. one of the head security analysts for this president. He's a friend of mm-hmm. the president. Here's what he said. Mm-hmm. Not only a conspiracy theory, it is completely debunked. Let me just, again, repeat that it has no validity. Why? Why would the Senate what Intel it Committee in run question? by a Republican say the same thing? He but was talking about the CrowdStrike rumors statement. and them having this server. I, because, I, don't, I don't believe CrowdStrike. Well, but that's what the president said he wanted Ukraine. investigated. 
Well, then, then we then let's de- let's debunk that. But it's well, I'm talking Hold about on. the real in plain sight evidence Hold on. that Ukraine's Michael. president Poroshenko had right. ordered his people to me- to meddle in the United Michael, States election. I hear your Got questions. nothing to do with CrowdStrike. I, I have, but see that matters, and here's why. One, we'll see what they do about the other thing that's Ukraine's business. Two, the president has a hundred times more reason than you to know that the CrowdStrike thing is BS. A hundred times more, because these people all work for him. The intelligence community, Burr, the Senate Intelligence Community uh, Committee, they all came to the same conclusion. He knows it. He was briefed on it. They were briefed on it. He says, no, I think it happened. How is that not all by itself a potential abuse of power? If you are so incompetent that all these people telling you something that isn't true except Putin, and you believe Putin, well, Chris, I can tell you that I, I believe the president would like to see proof that CrowdStrike he uh, has laid the out there that the Russians, uh, they, nobody's seen it. I understand they the FBI says give they him have proof. It, but they've showed nobody. They can't give him proof that CrowdStrike didn't take the server when a server wasn't taken. The DNC has said no, no, no server no. was Listen, taken. Chris, the Clinton people said about. no server that's not was what I'm taken. Talking about. But that's what but he's that's talking what about, talking Michael. About. That's what he's talking about. That's what I, he talked about Zelensky about. Let me tell you. I believe the president, like many of us, would like to see the proof that the FBI has that Russia hacked uh, the DNC. They have the proof. That, they that, indicted that, 12 that, different we people have, and entities. Chris, I understand what you're saying, but they have, Crowdstrike's proof has not been made public. But that's a fact. But that's different and than the president not knowing it. Look, I'm out of time, but i got to ask you one other thing. I have to ask this. I'm sorry mm-hmm. if it makes you uncomfortable. You and I, I believe, share a theory. Roger Stone is too smart a guy to not know that they were going to get his communications. This is a savvy guy. It's a little different when you're in the crosshairs, but he knows the game. For him to play the game out the way he did, to me, suggests taking one for the team. Because he had to know this was going to go bad on him. Now he's facing all of these convictions, and the president is silent about it. Are you surprised that a guy who arguably has been his longest advisor, who arguably took convictions out of some misplaced sense of loyalty, is getting the silent treatment? Well, I think, you know, uh, Roger Stone is, by court order, still not allowed to talk to me. We haven't spoken in 10 months. In fact, he's not allowed to talk at all. I know. Uh, So I don't know exactly what's going on in Roger's head or what his defense is talking about. But I do know that the, the, the president is looking at the one person uh, that was dragged into the mud of this bogus Russia investigation who did take one for the team. That's one thing the, the defense got right. I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the prosecution got right when they opened and closed this trial. I was there every day. And they said Roger Stone uh, 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 did what he did because he was afraid to, get, to embarrass the president. I believe that's true. I believe the prosecution got that right. I think there's room for an appeal here. I don't really understand it because I'm not an attorney, but I think there's room. But the president needs to look at this. I don't expect the president to do anything about it right now, but I got to believe he's thinking about it. So much for loyalty. Michael Caputo, thank you for coming on the show. The best to you and your family for Thanksgiving. We don't always agree, but we always agree that you have a place here to make your argument. Thanks, Chris. Be well. All right. The president may have a last chance to avoid impeachment. Instead, he's relying on a strategy that includes making you believe he's a victim. Now, there are a couple of things that are said all the time, and we're going to play them out in the closing. But first, where are we in terms of the pluses and minuses? Beautiful legal representatives. 
So Chairman Nadler, he's the chair of the Judiciary Committee, right? That's where the impeachment process moves next. And he has given the president a chance to offer up a defense at next week's hearing if, you know, it's unclear if the president wants to do that. But they have the ability. And by the way, that's more than Clinton was given. If the president's claim of a perfect call is to be sustained and no wrongdoing, then the question becomes, well, then why aren't you coming in? Uh, We know why the president's not going to come in. We know that's hot talk. But why not come in and mount a defense if you're getting this opportunity? You're really getting two bites at the apple. Cuomo's court is in session with Harry Lippman and Jim Schultz. Harry, I'm saying two bites at the apple because we know president and uh, counsel can come in if there's a trial in the Senate. So they're giving them, uh, you know, they're giving them one for free here. Uh, What is your take on the strategy? Yeah, it's exactly right. And they haven't given it before. My best guess is he's going to stay away. It's a it's a it's a sort of uh, interesting question for him. But I think he doesn't want to validate the proceedings at all. But it really takes away a talking point from him. Right. Oh, you've just railroaded me. No due process, et cetera. Why not have a, you know, a lawyer or representatives on the different points to make his his claims. It should only be to the good. It's something that Clinton and Nixon didn't have a chance to do, but it means he is integrated in a process that he wants to pretend is mm. completely corrupt. And I think that's why he winds up staying away. I'll be interested what Jim thinks on that. Jimmy, what's up with the poker face? You're not thinking of taking a job and going in there, are you? I need you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't be going back. But Chris, I, I don't think I don't think there's any chance that they go in and mount a defense in this case. So this thing started in a judiciary committee with Nadler, and Nadler got embarrassed by Corey Lewandowski, and he said, "Whoa, okay, we're going to send this over to Schiff's committee in the House Intelligence Committee." And then they did that in the basement, and they did it in secret, and they leaked out information, and then they, and then they started re- releasing transcripts. Now all of a sudden, now the transcripts are released, everything's been out in the open. Now we're going to have another hearing over in judiciary when the cake is already baked and they're saying, hey, come on in and help us with the icing at the end. If I'm the president's legal team, I'm saying no way to that. This was not a fair process from the beginning. We're going to continue to fight this fight the way we've been doing it. We're going to get to the Senate where the rules of evidence apply and where you're going to get a hearing that's that's managed much like much like a court of law. They and may apply. Have we have to see what their procedures are. You, yeah, we, we have, have Judge to... Mitch McConnell doing whatever he wants to do. Look, first, well, you need a simple secret. majority, though. But Harry, to the main it's, assertions yeah. of Jimmy, uh, yeah. I, w- I want you to respond yeah. to them semi in, in in order here. Um, Lewandowski embarrassed the judiciary by pretending he got to exercise executive privilege. And mm. the, the Ken Starr report that started with a land deal and ended with Chris, a sex they act? couldn't even ask a question. Well, yeah, let me talk I'm about putting, Lewandowski. First of all, I will pose it any way I want. Jim, this is my court. I'm the judge, Jimmy. Um, but oh. you got Lewandowski. You got Ken Starr that he got to do his whole report. Is this fair or is this not compared to them? There's oh, a yeah, more, more so. Uh, Starr did, Star did it all in secret, and then he went to the Senate. By the way, Lewandowski, yeah, he, he was high-handed and arrogant when he was talking to the, um, the congressman, but when Barry Burke, a good lawyer, uh, questioned him, he was quickly reduced to showing that he was a liar, and that's what it would be like in the, in the House. You'd have competent professional counsel questioning. That makes a big difference. That is what we had in Watergate. Hmm. So, you know, well, Jimmy, in this case, all we have was a rant in the first hearing, Chris. Really? I mean, that's all a we rant? have is a Democratic you, rant. You, you see you see no evidence. You see this is just a rant, Jim. All no, the, I'm, all so, the I'm talking about that first witnesses. Judiciary Committee. That first oh. Judiciary Committee hearing was a joke. 
flat out. And they, I'm not sure they what you mean, but here we have a they, real they one. We ask have... a question. They couldn't ask a question. And now we're going to come back after, yeah. the, after they've done all their work in the basement in secret. And now we're it now wasn't all of a in saying, secret. Hey, come to the party. Well, yeah. Now you can ask questions. <laughs> I, I would, and why wouldn't I, they? I, why I wouldn't the they try lawyers, to try I would to, say we're not we're not playing in this one. Oh, because it was it was you don't like how it was before. Here's your chance to tell the American people and participate in a process where everyone's oh, looking. Any, and you want to say does, does we don't like how it was before. There's not going to be 218 Democrats that are going to vote for impeachment here. The ones we have to look at are those yeah. 31 seats where the president won. And we have Democrats sitting in those congressional seats. And those are the ones yeah. that everybody's going to be watching in these votes. F- folks like Jeff Rand- Van Drew in New Jersey. That's and, true. And, and Tom yeah. and, and Connor Lamb here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And those are going to be what ones about the that American people are going to be people, watching to see Jim? what they do on this. What about we the 50% of the population? What about the American the, 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 people the members and their ability to know what's going on? Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I can't understand. People. Hold on a second. And I'm Jimmy, interested to see. Jimmy, hold on a second. Let's get some context. The members of Congress. Jimmy, let's get some context. Let's get some context. Hold on a second. I got something on the screen right now. Can you see it? There's a poll that says 50 percent say impeach and remove. So you're worried about people sitting in red districts. Fair point. What about this statistic? You worried about that? Look, there are other polls that are showing this thing's going backwards on the Democrats at this point in time. And I think that it is, especially in those districts. You have folks like Van Drew in, in New Jersey who said, look, I, I don't want any parts of this impeachment to begin with. You know why? Because he's paying attention to his constituency. Folks like Connor Lamb, silent in western Pennsylvania on this issue, because you know why? He's taking a look and saying, look, Clinton I had, might take a pass. Clinton had I 31 go against you know him why? in the impeachment Because their constituents aren't for it, Chris. The Can folks in those quick, districts, uh, quick that point, are swing Chris. districts, their constituents are All right, Jimmy, I got your it. point about the politics. Harry, last point. Yeah, quick point. Politics, fine. What about the American people and actually finding out what happened here? What about Trump and his and his uh, and, and Pompeo and the rest right. actually letting us know what happened? It's not just politics. Right. Harry Lippman, Jimmy Schultz, appreciate you making Thanks. the arguments. If I don't speak you, to Jim. you, I'm thankful to you both. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, All right. Jim. Now, a lot of this is politics. A lot of this is persuasion. Some stuff in that vein is going to be fine, even if you don't like it. Some of it is not. And we have a situation here that must be addressed on two fronts. When you can't fight the facts, you attack the person stating the facts. But there are two attacks that have to stop because they are poisoning this process for real. I'll lay it out. You decide. Next. The argument. Two things need to stop tonight, like now. First, the idea that anyone who disagrees with the president hates him. I think they hate this president more than they love their country. I know you hate Trump. Do they love America more than they hate this president? This is cheap. This is destructive. And they know it and do it anyway. A Washington Post count in April found 21 of the judges who've ruled against this administration were put on the bench by Republicans. Big cases, DACA, Mueller's special counsel appointment, family separation, sanctuary cities, all handed down by Republican appointed judges. Okay, why? The problem is not the judge. It's the constant violation of the law by this president. In fact, the only person in this mix who uses animus in place of any legitimate dispute is our president. Shifty shift. Little pencil neck. 
Adam Schiff. Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren. Sleepy Joe. <laughs> Crazy Bernie. Crying Chuck. Crazy Nancy. These are maniacs. Not just politicians. He says about us in the press. They made fun of my mother last week. I would laugh if it weren't so embarrassing. The second thing that needs to stop is the idea that this president is a victim of anything other than his mouth, his motives, and his moves. The last almost three years have been filled with investigations. They are right about that. But why? His mouth, his motives, his moves, and those around him. Examples. The taxes, you wouldn't put them out. He says he's under audit, but he won't prove it. He keeps sheltering Putin in a way that raises questions about being compromised. The Russia probe started by what his people said and what his people did. And by this president's constant solicitation of help to and denial of the obvious Russian interference to this day. And this whole Ukraine mess, it's about what he and his personal lawyer planned to do. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. That's fine. Again, I don't think this is about Rudy. I think this is about Rudy doing what his client wanted him to do the way he allowed him to do it. This president is making his own mess, further to the point. Mueller outlined instance after instance of obstruction by the president himself. So why didn't they move on it? Democratic leadership chose not to move on impeachment. You could say it was a political thing. They didn't think they had the votes or whatever, but they didn't do it. Add them. Now, all of a sudden, if you look at everything that has happened, there's no need to make it up. They're all of his own making. He plays the system. And when caught, this president plays the victim. It's a shame that your president has had to go through this. No president should ever have to go through this again. I hope he's right. God willing, we will never have a president who causes this much chaos again. And you know what? The chances of that may be better if the man responsible for the chaos right now does get impeached. Why? Look, I think you can argue it either way. I have on this show. Some of you like that. Some of you don't. That's the show. If it's for people with open minds. But if he gets impeached, that is a permanent stain. It will be the first thing people will know about his presidency forever. Trump said in a tweet, he never imagined his name connected to the word, but I believe that. And it may be his worst fear and it will be realized. His name will be glued to being impeached for eternity. Now, he can complain to the red hat rallies of thousands who agree with him no matter what he says, but the country has made their sympathies clear. A majority doesn't just say this is a good process, doesn't just say he should be accused or impeached. They say he should be removed. I don't see that as being likely politically. And as for those who support him most, you see how he is already making any loss that happens here about you, not him. And if you lose, they're going to say Trump suffered the greatest defeat in the history of the world. This was the greatest. You can't let that happen to me. He created the mess, but you will take the loss. And yet you are not the victim if that happens. He is. And you must help him when he has done nothing but help himself. And in doing so, he has gotten himself exactly where he is. This is not about hate for the president. God protect him and keep him and his family well.
But we must love the presidency more than any president. Our loyalty and that of our lawmakers is not to him, but to the country and the countrymen that our politicians serve. They are servants for you, not serfs for the president. Whatever happens next with impeachment, know this. This president can blame the person who is always apparently foremost in his mind, himself. That's the argument. Tonight's bolo, a Democratic presidential frontrunner's numbers suddenly running low. Could it shake up the race? Bolo. Bolo, be on the lookout. Joe Biden remaining steady at the top in the latest polls from Quinnipiac. Still a pack, but look at Warren, 28 to 14 percent. Why this drop in this moment? Electability. 10 percent say she's the one to beat Trump. Same number for Sanders, by the way. Biden much higher than that. It's 69 days from the first votes in the Iowa caucuses, but this isn't what Warren wants to see, especially with Bloomberg now in the race and looking to make a lane. So be on the lookout. Thank you for watching. Want to get you quickly to CNN Tonight with Laura Coates, the upgrade for D. Lemon. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.